Hello, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. As always, I'm your host, Ryan Engley, joined, as always, co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy? Hi, Ryan. I'm good. Happy to talk to you today. I am happy to talk to you today, too, because we are we are talking about uh, a... This is a question we get a lot um, from uh, from listeners, from students, uh, you know, just or like at conferences, which is... Um, what about all the things people say about psychoanalysis? <laughs> how do you respond? How do you respond to all of the the criticisms, all 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 of the critique? And the uh, it's hard to answer that question when you're right in front of somebody. Uh, you know, you can only give like a couple examples. So we're gonna we're gonna dedicate this entire uh, podcast to specifically defending Freud um, and some of the charges levied against him, uh, the the major ones uh, for for right. minor and major crimes. Um, but all, this all also function as like a defense, uh, in some ways of, uh, of psychoanalysis in general, but that, that's, um, my big interest here and, and we will get to it is why do certain things stick to psychoanalysis and to psychoanalytic thinkers? And it doesn't seem to in other bodies of thought, other philosophers, other eras. And, and that's a question that that I find really teasing, but that's, that's going to be for, for, for later. And right. that's just so that this podcast doesn't come off as, um, like, obviously we're offering a defensive Freud, but right. like it's going to come off as defensive exactly, because it's a defense. Yeah. I don't want it to exactly. Cause when you come, when you're on the, when, when it comes off as defensive and the back foot, it just seems like, well, do you know, you know, we're yeah. going to, we're going to list some, some, uh, you know, minor and major crimes of other philosophers. And this is to, like, that's not to do a, to play a, 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 well, what about this person? You know, that absolutely right. not. It's just that, um, there are things that, other philosophers and other uh, in other bodies of, of thought like have done and it just doesn't seem to stick or if it does it's just sort of like a shrug and it's like well that was the time or or, or, or you know or, or that was the epoch so anyway that's what that's what this podcast is going to be so um uh any, before we start anything did you want to say todd well i just think that that's true like hopefully we'll just give people who want to defend psychoanalysis a little things in there in the for their for their Rip for their armory, like their little the things to have at hand that they can pull out and say, "Oh, wait, the person says this, I can respond with this." So little, little, little small little defenses that yeah. you can use, and then maybe for people who are, I don't know, listening and are critical of psychoanalysis, that would be like one or two people maybe. Uh, they might think like, "Oh, wait a minute, I thought that critique was valid. Now I see it's not." Or maybe they'll say like, "I never even thought of that critique before. Now I hate psychoanalysis." <laughs> Hopefully well, that doesn't happen. Well, I was thinking but, can I can I offer a fourth possibility? Yeah, this is yeah. that um I, at the like really if someone's listening to this and they hate psychoanalysis, it would at least be uh better if they hated it for uh, you know, m- more uh critically solvent reasons. How's that? Correct. So we Correct. could we yeah. could sharpen someone's critique as well. Oh, that's good that, a good point. That would be fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that would be yeah. that would be fine as well because yeah. the when because some of the like the problem with a lot of I mean I again I don't want to give the conclusion away at the beginning but like the problem with a lot of these critiques is that they have like a pretty big so what problem for some for some right. of them it, right. and uh, the the so what seems to often be like uh, is like a, is a moralistic thing is you know like like well there's a moralistic reason why for why so what and that's fine but like. W- 
you and I, I mean, this whole thing is called why theory. It's not called why psychoanalysis. Like, I mean, even though obviously we talk about it every episode, it's, it's the point should be to, uh, to, to, uh, deepen and proffer other ways of, uh, to, to, right. to, to, to think critically outside of like, you know, the mainstream doxa, like and that's so, you know, if someone's going to come in with a sharper critique of criti- psychoanalysis as a result of this, again, I don't expect people listening. No, that's great. At this point. I agree. To, yeah, I agree. That'd yeah. be great. And I also would say, like, maybe at the end of our discussion, we'll find that these critiques are so damning that we're going to have to abandon it ourselves. So. <laughs> we're going to have to we'll well, cancel, I mean, look, cancel the broadcast, yeah. It's always yeah. a possibility, right? Like, you, yeah. you you go into something, you know, you think you know, you have a good idea of it, and if you're really thinking it through, I think there is always that openness of it could all fall apart for you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there should be, or else yeah. uh, where's the where's the risk? And yeah, no, what are you doing? Yeah, what are you to, doing? There needs to be yeah. some. So uh, let's okay. So let's start with. Um, I, I I know you've heard this. I've heard this too. Uh, but this is maybe the most. I I think this is the most minor crime that that. Well, that's where are we going to try to go from minor to major? Yeah, we are, and it's not a spectrum. It's just ev- not, eventually right. th- it's just going to be all major. It's not right. It's, it's not. This right. is not ranked. I want to be clear about. Right. Uh, right. But this is, I think, the most minor one. What's the most minor one, Todd? I'd say that Freud is a cocaine addict. Right, sure. and it's yeah. it's interesting that this has gotten transferred to Slavoj Zizek because yeah, yeah. of his constant uh, nose tick, which is all my students whenever they see him speak are like, uh, "You didn't tell us he had a cocaine habit," but um, of course he's never did cocaine. Freud actually did so. The sort of to clean slate, Freud did actually try cocaine in the early 1980s and real and thought of it as. Wait, you said 1980s. That's really funny. In the 1880s, yes, that's yeah. funny. Yeah. Uh, that's what I was like when <laughs> I was Freud using was, Freud, was at, Freud was at Studio 54. He was, <laughs> he was slamming to the Bee Gees and just doing <laughs> rail after rail. You yeah. got the times wrong. The Bee Gees were the 70s. Okay. Oh, sorry. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, um, Anyway, so yeah. so in the 1880s, right? So early on in the 1880s, Freud did experiment with cocaine and and thought it was really it had some potential as a cure for for neurological ailments. So so that is true that he was invested in it. What's what's also true is a lot of other doctors at the time thought this, and it was a pretty common thing. And then he abandoned it before he ever started to really develop psychoanalysis. So it, the, the, re, the relationship between cocaine and psychoanalysis is, is non-existent. Well, this introduces something, though. Like, you made it okay. th- that I think will continue. So you said a lot of other doctors at the time did it as well. Can you even name one, like one other doctor at the time? Maybe you can. Uh, I can probably, I mean, I, you know, Wilhelm Fleece, but I only know him because of the relationship. Because of the letters for Freud. Freud. Yeah. And right. Charcot. I mean, I can name a few, but yeah. Because of their relation to Freud. And that's what, basically, it's, it's, it's interesting that there, we're going to get to, to, to some more, more major crimes. And a, I think for a lot of these, Freud bears the brunt for like, like it's a widespread industry practice, but he's the guy that it sticks to because he's the guy that like we still talk about. Who's still known. Yeah. Yeah. Who's still known. Yeah. And, and it's, yeah. it's in, you know, we're going to get to, uh, again, Freud's greater crimes that, um, have to do with, um, his other things, his, you know, other things, a lot of it predominantly his attempt to use the science of the time that he found to be most useful, right. which was biology and 
I, I, you're, you're, you're unlikely to hear, um, you're not going to see a blog post. I'll put it this way. You're not, you're, no one on Twitter and no one is going to put a blog post on their personal website, like decrying some like obscure biologist from, uh, 19, from 1900 to 1940. You're like probably not going to read that, but you will read people rail against Freud for, you know, uh, his use of the science of the time. So right. that's, and this is, I guess, like another one of these things. Like he didn't, you know, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't a schedule one narcotic and he was like, I'm just going to just do it, you know, just like screw right. the naysayers. I'm just going to use coke. You're right. It's, it's right. part of, it was part, it was part of this, uh, uh, a, a milieu, let's say. Right. And, Completely uh, part of the milieu. Yeah. 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 So it's a, it's a charge that really has no weight at all. And when somebody's leveling it, they're just looking for anything to, to throw out pot shots, I think. So. Also, I mean, this I said this to you, is like nobody I – mean, how much cocaine did David Bowie do like when he was recording low or like – or any number of – like no one no one cares. If you right. like the – if you like the – if you happen to like something and the person who made it uh, was addicted to drugs for a period of time, you very likely don't care about it. So it's, it's just – Well, yeah. I think even not just music but, but – I think Foucault's use of LSD to come to certain insights is not. Have you ever heard anyone no. talk about that as a as a problem? No, I because LSD also has this cachet around it where it's like right. you know with like Timothy Leary and 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 all those uh, all, all those people that like predominantly American Aldous Huxley you know where it's like oh right. they you know the Doors that's why the Doors are called the Doors because of that book the Doors of Perception right and it's and right. that, that he did and and it's like there's this like you know this access to a different. Uh, to a different dimension, even in Mad Men, you know, when Sterling, Roger Sterling drops right, LSD, right. that's a great episode. People love it. If he was doing cocaine, it's like, that's like, a, you have a different problem if you're doing coke, you know? Right. Like, I guess that's true. I guess yeah. it's true. But I'm sure Foucault didn't just confine himself to acid. But um, but nonetheless, I think it's in, in this, I think you're right that the, the type of drug matters. And I think cocaine now is such a, thought of as such a rich person's at least powder cocaine is thought of a rich, as a rich person. So it seems like it's almost like the charge of elitism is is oh, it was baked into is that. grouped together with the charge of cocaine use against Freud. And I, I do think that that's another minor charge that elitism. Do you want to go to that? That, one get, that gets to other things. Yeah, that that he's elitist and that he just is trying to make money. Like uh, I think that's mm-hmm. a big thing that people like he because he did real that was psychoanalysis wasn't just a theory for him. It's how he made his living. Now, the funny thing, I was thinking about this, could you say the same thing about us? Like, in a certain sense, it is true for us. Like, the theory is how we make a living, even though... Because we have jobs at college and university. At colleges where we teach theory, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm, Right. Um, Not that we make money off this podcast. No, no, no. Yeah, I want to be really clear about that. We don't... No, Uh, yeah. (laughs) Right. It just costs. Um, It just costs. Yeah, exactly. uh, No, but I think that that you could almost say that about any theorist, right? Like their their theory... I mean, maybe it's more true for Freud because it's about curing patients. But Mm -hmm. I do think the curing patients is somewhat separate from him developing his theory of psychoanalysis. So it's there's a way in that, 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 sorry to interrupt. It's, it, but it's no. interesting that that's not, uh, that that's not considered an anti-Semitic comment. I, f- I find that interesting. Oh, you're right. 
you know, yeah. because it's not. Yeah. I don't. I don't think like no one I, ever thinks of it as an anti-Semitic comment. But, no, and yeah. it's really, really important to remember. For I mean, we've said this on other podcasts, so and people probably know this, but psychoanalysis was referred to as the Jewish science, and uh, that that is something that we're going to get to some other things later. But that is something that Freud wanted to push against because he 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 didn't want it just thought of that way. He he thought it was very very important. Right. I mean, yeah. I think you could say his whole affection for Jung comes from a desire, comes from Jung's non-Jewishness, right? Like yeah. he he saw in Jung, he even says this, my crown prince who mm. could be an Aryan to carry on the torch of psychoanalysis and and get it out of this, you know, this this um, prison of, mm. of Jewish science, which, I mean, the, the, it's called that by the Nazis, but it was all, yeah. I think Freud himself might have even said, I don't want it to be a Jewish science. So I think there yeah. was even this, so I, d- I do think you're right to connect that to the anti-Semitic prejudice about money. and But no one else talks about that. No but I do one, think, yeah. my point is just, I think you could say that about every theorist. Like mm-hmm, they're just, mm-hmm. I guess the, 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 the real question is, and I think this actually sticks to Lacan more than to Freud. Like to what extent do you like the, I don't know how to call it, like the, the high life of the dandy, you know, like yeah. the, you know, nice, like the nice cafes and the, you know, the <laughs> nice clothes. And I don't think that's true of Freud. No, no. But that, I think it's true of Lacan, actually. I do think like it's true of Lacan. Yeah, if you read Life yeah. of Lacan, the, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the, Mil- the Milo yeah. book, like it's, it's like that's just there to see. Like you, yeah. you can't, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was pretty impressed with how dapper he was and, mm-hmm. and, and he liked that kind of life. Yeah. It's funny so too. Like, oh, so I'll give, I'll give something on the other side. Here's like, I mean, uh, we've kind of briefly mentioned this in other podcasts, but like, um, people should criticize uh, Lacan for his conservatism, not not for like a raft of other things he gets uh, like accused of. Like in right. the, the 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 Christine Milo book, like makes it clear that like he was a sympathizer with Francisco Franco and friends with people in that in that government, and like that's pretty bad. That's like that's I think that's, that's pretty bad. That's much yeah. worse than the short session. Like that's that's much worse. Yeah. Uh, whatever you think of that. But, um, but so in, in that case, I think that the, um, uh, the, uh, libidinal, uh, economy, economy, if you will, between uh, critique misses the mark, but I mean, of course it would if you follow psychoanalysis. So, yeah. um, yeah. but, um, yeah. So the, the elitism is interesting too. We talked about this a little bit, um, or I, I specifically talked about it, uh, way back in the first where to start episode. Um, where like this is a charge levied at Freud, and I think a lot of the uh, the juice behind it comes from uh, why war? Which, yeah, the essay why war. Yeah. yeah, the essay why war, where he wants like a uh, oh a, a council of uh, of intellectual elites to be uh, deciding matters for the rest of the people, and it's uh, it's interesting that that just get, that's just like oh look at this elitist attitude and there's a way to be sympathetic to that i mean again we're talking about uh, to, to bring it back to this we are talking about a jewish man who's seeing the rise of nazism all around him so there, right. there's there's that so even if you want to maintain the critique of the position there's at least you could see like that's where the position it comes from and you could i think it's easy to make the argument that like you know uh 
you know, that Freud is speaking from like the, a moment of uh, historical speci- uh, specificity and not seeing like a larger picture about it. I think that that's like a whatever. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what I would say about that argument, but it's a little bit better than just saying like he's elitist. Let's disregard him. Right. But it's, right, right. it's also it, it's also interesting that um, don't people like don't don't liberals in America want that right now? You know, like, like, isn't this a thing? Like they want scientists like guiding scientific policy. I don't want to, I don't right. want to equate the two, the two things, you know, that, that like, well, it was Greta want- Thunberg's case, wasn't it? <laughs> when she yeah. went to, yeah. I mean, she was well, like, the scientists have spoken. They're telling you what we should do and we should listen to them. Right. And, like, I, I, yeah, I, I, and I, and I think that just makes sense. I don't think that it should be like, Oh, look at this elitist, you know, like that's what the conservatives right. say about her, you know? And that like, so I, that's a. I think that's a, it's tendentious, and a lot of these are tendentious. But that's yeah, yeah that's that's yeah. one of them. I think. Yeah, elitism. I think I. You know, it's funny because I think Freud does, and this just, I think it's tied to the money question as well because he does charge patients, and he mm-hmm. also has this idea in studies on hysteria. It's kind of a fascinating idea that the poorer you are, the less you need psychoanalysis, hmm. right? Because he thinks that neurotic illness is tied to rising in class status. And this is, it actually gets articulated also in the joke book where he says, oh, yeah, yeah. the lower you are in class status, the more your joke can just be pure smut. Like you just say this smutty thing and then that. Yeah. But you, the higher you rise, the more repression there is. So the more you have to disguise it through a, through a joke. Interesting. So there is this kind of idea. And then, of course, the, the payment for the session and his idea is that you wouldn't ever get cured unless you really had to give up something, you know, to pay. Like you have mm-hmm. to pay or else the – you don't the, – the, like that part of the notion that you're paying for something is part of – that's part of the cure. So I do think there is this way in which Freud – I don't know if I would call it elitism, but the way he thinks about economy mm-hmm. is related to psychoanalysis and at some kind of fundamental level maybe. That's interesting. Like, I, I think that th- there's room in there for, uh, I mean, I think there's room in there for a much uh, sharper critique. What people normally do is they take his uh, line that a cure is a bonus in psychoanalysis yeah. out of, mu- way out of context. And they treat that, they, they treat him as like a, they treat him as a money grubbing Jew, but it's, you know, but nobody ever makes an apology for that again. Uh, but the, where I think where there is room for critique is to say that like um well he like he gave up thinking about um the the most uh, like structurally marginalized you know like like right I agree he, with that yeah yeah yeah, yeah and, I think that's right I, because I think he's wrong to think I, I like the idea that class status is tied to repression I think that's an interesting and probably correct idea that the more you get status, the less, the more you've compromised your desire. I think that's true. I buy mm-hmm. that. But I don't, I think the problem is that it doesn't correspond, like your investment in it doesn't correspond directly to the position that you occupy, right? Like, yeah, yeah. like there are people who are the most ostracized, who are nonetheless the most driven by cl- class status, right? Like mm-hmm. there's not, there's not, or, or the people that are most preoccupied by wealth aren't necessarily the wealthiest people. I mean, I think there's an odd way that he kind of lets those who are on the bottom of the ladder, he lets them off and thinks, just like you said, there's no, like psychoanalysis has nothing to offer for people that are on the, 
on the down and outs because they like, it's almost like he thinks they have more important things to think about. Yeah, which is a kind of well, it's a condescension. That's like a definite yeah, middle right, class right. condescension. Like you right. see that a lot in American politics. With I've used this example before, where um, it's like uh, uh, in American politics, it's like people who live in West Virginia or Kentucky or like th- these people eat coal and they don't have the concerns of regular people, quote unquote, that they right. have other concerns and we need to. You have to appeal to them differently, like they're not people, and that's a total. Uh, middle and upper class uh, condescension of, you know, it's like uh, blazing saddles, people of the earth, you know, morons, <laughs> right. right? Like that's right. Uh, the common clay, like, the, but it's a total, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a total con- uh, condescension and it, and it, it's, um, but, which I will say actually is um, a little bit, if you want to say like in this, the spirit of the age, a little bit like the cocaine use, like that's a kind of Victorian, attitude i i tend tend to think of freud as a modernist and i think that there's a nice breakdown where people who want to criticize freud think of him as a victorian and people who find something useful in freud tend to think of him as a modernist but yeah i think that's a great point but (laughs) but um that that's a that's a victorian attitude you can see it a little bit in dickens this is one of the the critique of 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 dickens and the like um you know, there's a there's a purity in the poverty that the right, um, right, that, that other right, people just right. can't. Right, it's exactly right yeah. that 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 that. You know, it's interesting because I you hear this is another way this works itself out, and it, I think people mean the opposite, but they mm-hmm. are unconsciously expressing what they don't mean. Mm-hmm. That when people say first world problems or third yeah. world problems, I find that so objectionable because, mm-hmm. you know, like the idea is that oh wait, if you're in the third world. Or you're in a struggling material situation, then you don't have the same psychic dilemmas yeah. that people have, and yeah. and, and and Freud yeah, himself, yeah. of all people, should have seen that that wasn't the case, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, and so I feel like this is a case of him saying, you know, I'm dealing only with first world problems, and that's not the problem in itself. The problem is to not see that those same first world problems are also third world problems as no, well. That's a right? super like point. The, yeah, no, because to to maintain. You know, to maintain the uh, the opposite is actually to be invested in the stratification that keeps those people over there. I put in in, in inverted right. commas. You know, right? And, it's and, like yeah. you know. I think it's like the difference between uh, Chaplin and Dickens, right? Like hmm. Dickens always looks at the poor from the perspective of the middle class. He like he's looking to like Oliver. I love Oliver Twist, but my God, it's like <laughs> the depiction is so maudlin of of oliver right like he's so the purity of him and then but in chaplin like the the, his fellow homeless people are are like they're they're doing all kinds of terrible things like they're they're just like he like in the kid his first feature film in order to make money he's 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 breaking out windows he has this, this little kid with he works with him break out windows and he goes and fixes the windows to, right. and you know and and makes money that way so yeah so, yeah you know clearly that's a bad depiction of the of the poor and impoverished but uh but it's more it's more like he it endows he sees them with the, the kind of intelligence though like, right like exactly or yeah, yeah. like or if what you maybe would call it human dignity right like yeah, they're still yeah. mm-hmm. they're suffused with the same problems that the rich person is, and they have the same sins. And I think that's a fascinating, I think you're right that this is a case where Freud kind of misses that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So uh, yeah, no, I think this is, I think that's, that's, that's great. And, uh, and 
very um, and very relevant because I think that that mistake is still made um, by a lot of people who consider themselves uh, progressive uh, uh, today. Is is that like you? Yeah, I think the way that you put it was really really nice. That like if if you think that um, people in other situations like do not occupy the same sophisticated um, psychic reality that you do, that is the core of any kind of bigotry. I really like that point. I mean, it's the it's like the other is endowed with some kind of secret yeah. knowledge, right? And yeah. that's the real that's and and so I think it's interesting that the the what are we saying? The charge against Freud in one way is wrong, but in another way it just doesn't go far enough. <laughs> it doesn't go far enough. Yeah. So we found right. the yeah, yeah, so we found the way to make it more um actually to, to yeah. give to give more more punch. But it, but this is the this is the point. I mean, this is why, you know, at the beginning of the episode we I mean we're we're actually serious about like sharpening a critique because it leads to a greater uh insight. You know, like like if if, right. if your whole if the whole point of your critique is, and now we should cancel Freud and never think about him again. I don't think that gives you a lot of territory for creating new knowledge. It just gives you the, like, I guess, I don't know, like, what is it? Like the dopamine squirt that you, you have this <laughs> rant, uh, this rant against somebody and, 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 right. and maybe yeah. it'll convince other people not to think about them anymore. But like, right. I, think, I guess that's what you're trying to do, right? You're yeah. trying to de-platform yeah, them, well, I mean, I this references some uh, a more recent uh, issue in psychoanalysis. Well, let's we'll, get to that at the end. We'll yes, get to that I, at the end. I, I yeah. want to get to that at the end because yeah. there's a lot to say about that. But, but I do think, like, but I think that is true. That I think a lot of people want to deplatform Freud and and give him. And but I do think that that sharpening the critique and it maybe even extending it, like we are, I think mm-hmm. that there can be. No, the point is not to just defend Freud. The point is to find out what's right. That's what yeah, I think is yeah, yeah. interesting, you know. And so I think that there's certain basic ideas that if you abandon them, you, you've you just abandoned Freud. But I think a lot of these things, if you get the critique right, then you can get at something that's even more valuable that's at the core of what Freud is doing. Yeah, and I, and I, as we've said on the, the, the podcast before, if you think – that people don't always do things for the reasons they think they do them. Well, maybe you've can- maybe you will write an article about canceling Freud, but you haven't abandoned him. If you right. think that when, uh, if you think, um, who is it? Mick Mick Mulvaney saying, "Yeah, quid pro quo, absolutely." Like, and then he says, uh, "No, I didn't mean that." Well, right. if you if you someone says like, "No, no, no, no," you meant that earlier thing. You're trying to cover it up. Well, you have not abandoned Freud because, um, like other, like I'm not saying that that Freud is the first person to um, dissuade people from taking everyone literally, but he's one of the biggest figures in that. And right, and, and right, the, it, it's, right. it's, you, you cannot really everything like you cannot really go back to a pre Freudian way of thinking. If you believe dreams mean something and they don't mean something literally, but you want to cancel Freud, you have not abandoned Freud. You know, like if, if you, if you think that, that people, um, like when Trump, the, the, like every newspaper is waiting for Trump to either not be, to be impeached and removed or for someone else to be 
president so they can write unprecedented, right? Like <laughs> presidented, like he tweeted that early in his right. reign. Everyone's waiting to do that right. because they all believe he expressed in that tweet that he's not, he doesn't want to be president. He's not presidential, that there's something in that. If you believe that, but you want to cancel Freud, you haven't abandoned him. You know, like it's just, right. so So I, I, I think, and also if you want to cancel him, like, I don't know, how is that not like an Oedipal kind of discourse? Sort of, right. sort of thing, right. you know. Right. It's just anyway. It's just, but the point is, I think, as as you put it, is like, what's worth continuing to 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 think about, and what is useful for identifying, uh, like, cont- as as we have in the description of this podcast, contemporary phenomena, and like like sharpening our own uh, view right. Of, right. of it. Right, right. That's that's absolutely the whole point, I think. And I think, I mean, what's interesting to me is that Freud lives on. Theoretically, like I think that that's you know like his importance to me is even much more as a theoretician than as a practitioner, right? Yeah. Like I, I think I, I'm not I'm not trying to be dismissive of psychoanalysis as a practice, but for me, what's important is its ability to get us to make sense of things theoretically, because then it can it can have a much more wider berth. Like it can mm-hmm. cover all, like a lot of people can theorize or th- think theoretically about the way things are happening in psychoanalytic terms. Right. And that's, I think that's what Freud makes possible. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's the, um, uh, we may circle back to this to, uh, about, about something else, but one of the, um, or I'm sure that we will actually, but one of the interesting things about, um, psychoanalysis is that it does not give up on contradiction and, right. um, science does because it, it science can't, and this is not a knock on, on all science, but like this, it can't, uh, a, a, a study, um, you know, an experiment, like the findings of research, um, cannot really conclude with, uh, with contradiction or else it, it doesn't seem like you've done anything. And that's, that's part of the, that's, that's part of the, the milieu or like as Lacan puts this, I believe in the, one of the introductory lectures to the seventh seminar, uh, that like, science always tries to find the missing link between something between one thing and another, you know, like in, you can take that in evolution or in just, uh, any, any other terms. It's all, it's always trying to, trying to eliminate, uh, contradiction. Religion does the same thing that, Oh, it was God's plan that that good person befell this bad fate. That's God's plan. And psychoanalysis has like it, proceeds in not in a middle path, but in a, like a, a an askew, right? An awry path, if you will, um, that it, 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 it trucks with contradiction and it doesn't, uh, it, it all, but you also need to believe in it, I think is the other thing, which does make it a little bit more like a religion than a science, which is right. Like, which is, which maybe we should come to our next objection yeah. because yeah, I think yeah, that's exactly. a big objection is that, Freud is non-scientific. Right. Now, again, I think here, don't we have to say he, this is the case where he opens himself up to this charge because yeah. he's yeah. constantly saying psychoanalysis aspires to the status of a science or mm-hmm. even psychoanalysis is a science. He often mm-hmm. refers to biology for confirmation of his right. his theses or his claims. So I do think this is an area where Freud himself bears some of the blame for the charge being leveled against him, which is that he's non-scientific. And I think we both feel the same about this, right? That, that our point would be 
well, yes, psychoanalysis is non-scientific and it should, it's not scientific. It's the, it doesn't aspire to be scientific. It's yeah. not. And I think the, I like the way you put it. It, it. it looks more like a religion than it does a science, in fact. Which is part of the suspicion from scientific quarters. About, right. Like, that, right. that was the thing that like, and I, and I think that a lot of the, um, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll get to them, but a lot of the crimes, <laughs> uh, that you could find Freud or, or, or Lacan or, or, you know, anybody really, uh, who's practicing, uh, psycho- psychoanalysis as theory, like guilty of comes from attempts to get it validated as a science. Lacan tries right. to do this through math and, uh, you know, Freud tries to do this through, uh, biology. And I actually think that this, is an example of the two of them not believing in psychoanalysis, like <laughs> enough, a, enough, right? yeah. That that yeah. you know it needs that it needs to be validated as this other thing. If you like it, and that's sort of like it's actually taking the burden of uh, like a proof in another discipline and saying you can do it, and then like you, I think you'll always fail, and then then that seems to give weight, as you're saying, to to sort of the other side. So part of this as well, uh, like, you know, Freud's always trying to, to, um, validate or uh, it's really up until the death drive. I wonder if he had discovered the death drive earlier, if things might've been different, but although there, he again is grounding it in, there's a lot of biology and beyond the pleasure, pleasure. He talks about fish school of fish, right? Like that they stay where they were born. They don't go to live where there are better resources. And so he he sees that as a biological, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So even there, he's trying to find biological basis for his, for his theses, for his ideas. Um, and, but here's something that he does that um, I think science should uh, there are so science should do more uh, often. I actually think a lot of scientists think so too. Um, he only published failures for case studies, right. and uh, that has been used against him. I, I've just I've seen this online in a lot of different Reddit threads that there are journals of failed research that a lot of people find very very useful because it shows people what not to do. But there's like no funding for these journals because it's right. like there's no value like academically, like it's not going to help somebody's tenure. It's like, Oh, you, you spent all this money to do this experiment and you failed at it. No, we're not giving you credit for publishing on it. And it's right. like, what an awful idea. Like the, it should be to, to go the opposite. It actually should be more like psychoanalysis. So let's talk about some of these failed case studies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a great point and I think it's interesting to link this to, to the, to the scientific question, right? Because I think those charges are often tied together. The charge, yeah. All Freud did was fail in his yeah. case studies of psychoanalysis, and yeah. it's not scientific. The The conclusion of that usually is if he was scientific, he would have succeeded. Yeah. But of course, as you just pointed out, science is failing productively yeah. all yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think like, okay, so Dora, interesting case. Right. Wolfman, interesting case. Like all these great cases, the Rat Man, interesting case, Hans, little Hans, the five major cases. Case studies, I didn't mention Schraber because he didn't actually analyze Schraber. He's analyzed just from a book that he wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but those, the five major ones, like there's no, none of them are successful really in any way. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that the, you know, Dora stops the analysis too soon. Right. The wolf man ends up being neurotic his entire life till old age and goes to other, other psychoanalysts looking for help. But, you know, there's no even when Freud, ident- but even when he identifies like a key concept or or 
or insight from the analysis. It's never because the analysis was successful. It's always right. because there was a hiccup or a, something didn't go right in the analysis. Mm. Which I think um, we're trying to perform here in this podcast, like finding the places where, like, where Freud didn't go like far enough with his own thing. I think that this is what we, we just did with the, on the question of, um, of, uh, you know, psychic realities having anything to yeah, do with yeah. class. Right. You know, like, yeah. like I, I think that's the, that's, um, the way forward. And it's a very, um, I, I mean, we said this on other podcasts, it's a very Hegelian insight as well. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. to, to know, to know something wrongly is like very, very important and productive. Right. Uh, so, I mean, he just thought, he thought that there was nothing to, if it went right, that it doesn't show you anything. It's, it's right. Like, so well, there'd be no reason what you already know. Right. It just confirms what I already know. There'd be no reason to write it up. So I think yeah. it, I think like people look at the case studies and say that's Freud himself giving evidence against his own method. But I think of it as what immense belief he has in his method that he will publish these cases of failure because he thinks they might elucidate something, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. So I feel like, to me, I think that is the great, the one sign of Freud's greatness is that the case studies are not great, that they're not, yeah, you know, that yeah, they're, yeah. that they're all about the way the method doesn't, doesn't go to exactly the direction he thinks it's going to go. So and I, he, I, I and think that's, that's important. I think that's important because he's writing those to other practitioners, right, and he wants to make sure that that they are not um, just doing. You know what it is? It's really interesting. It's like it's like he's um, what you tell to like advanced uh, undergraduate students is like don't just apply this theory to this object and no. and and then and then do it and 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 you think your paper's done. Like it's a beautiful th- point. There's you there's you still need to do work. You, you still need to find the fissures. You still need to find where it doesn't fit. And, and I think that like what he's, he's trying to perform a service like this is in that whole, the, the wild psychoanalysis, you know, essay yeah. that I like to make a lot of, um, you yeah. know, he, he's trying to make sure that people are, are not like looking at, 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 at are not treating psychoanalysis as, as like a Wikipedia summary. And it's like, Oh, we're just going to talk to somebody and then that'll cure them. And well, I, yeah, you know, like it, there's a lot more to it and, and that, and, and you, you can't give, you cannot give uh, information. You cannot give knowledge to cure the symptom, for example, like you, like there, there, that, then that's what he talks about in that essay. But, um, right. yeah, please jump in. No, I just think it's such a, I love this point that, that, and I think it's why he doesn't really write that much on psychoanalytic technique, right? Like there's, mm. there's like, you, you just like, can you tell me exactly what I need to learn to become a psych, like, Psychoanalyst, there's just not, there's almost nothing. Yeah, right? that's, true, that's true. And I think it's because of this very, I think the same thing is true if you were going to tell someone how to be a cultural theorist. You mm. would, and I think, I love your idea, like you just don't take the theory and apply it. No, mm. you have to practice and work it out for yourself. Like mm. you have to, there's no substitute for that. And I think that's really, I, I to me, again, that's a sign of like how, how committed he is to allowing people to think through on their own or that not just yeah. allowing them, but the, the idea that you have to think through on your own or else you're never going to get to the thing that he wants you to get to. But yeah. I do think that it's interesting that the, the way this ties into the approach to science, because I think science almost works in the exact opposite way, doesn't it? Hmm. Like, isn't the point of science that you, you have a, a, the experiment is controlled, 
Like mm-hmm. you, yeah, you, you test in exactly the same way each time because if you vary it, then you've ruined the results of the experiment. I'm not, I'm not saying this is a critique of science necessarily, but I'm just trying to understand or make clear how at odds psychoanalysis and science are. And I think yeah, they're fundamentally yeah. at odds, frankly. Like mm-hmm. I don't think you could import a little bit of the psychoanalytic attitude into science no, I because don't think I think – don't you think that this – I mean maybe I'm wrong about this, but it seems to me like the repre- – psychoanalysis is the, for lack of a better word, study of subjectivity. I was going to say science of subjectivity. But oh, it's funny. The, <laughs> it's the interpretation of subjectivity. Mm-hmm. Science is, I think, founded on the repression of subjectivity. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. isn't the point of a scientific exercise that it does not matter who conducts it? Like right. that's how you define that it's science, right? This like is, this is my thing with the passive voice, right? Like the like right. the, the, exactly. the, the right. person observing the experiment is not really there. They have done nothing to 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 influence it. It could have been it could have been observed by anybody else, and you would have seen the same things. That, that's exactly that is the that, and it needs to be. That's the it thing, needs right? to be. It needs right. To that's be what I want to say. Yeah, it exactly. has to be. And yeah. it's not like it's not like oh bad science is just another worldview. Yeah. Western worldview. It, that's not the point at all. No. The point is its very validity depends mm-hmm. upon the repression of subjectivity, unlike mm-hmm. other cultural practices, which subjectivity is intimately involved in them, right? Like, yeah. so I, I think you too. can't... Yeah. Necessary too. So it's, it's not like you... I'm not trying to say this as a way to dismiss science, but no. as a way to understand it and to understand why it can never be psychoanalytic and why psychoanalysis obviously can never be a science because if it's a if it's a mode of understanding founded on subjectivity subjectivity is the very thing science doesn't allow so there yeah. cannot be it's almost like they they like these you cannot cross the streams right like there's yeah. no way well, and, for them to interact and this you can also see this in like um uh social the social sciences uh which yeah. is a fascinating phrase uh, that we don't have time to to get into that but the social sciences often get they they often bear the brunt of uh like anti-intellectual um like destructive uh discourse like it's uh gender and women's studies are all like the social science like wing of that are always asked to justify their uh, their findings, and they're always right. attacked by like this. Even happens on the Chronicle, you know, where and 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 th- this was part of the recent the hoax articles in um, ber- bereavement studies, if in, in two social science uh, um, journals. Like there's just a fleet, uh, there's a group of scientists publishing hoax articles to show that social science is 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 bunk and it's because you know uh any the, the social sciences uh invite subjectivity into their research that becomes part of it and it's not a surprise that it it, it when you start to look at it this way that it meets with all this resistance and and, and people find different ways to justify racist or misogynist ideas because they're like, oh, well, they, they don't they don't set their experiments up right. Like, look what they allowed to be published. They don't really right. know what they're talking about. The, they, they allow for this. This is how they control this. Like, what even is this? How could they even prove that all, like, from this group of people that all, the, you know, and it's the kind of, uh, it's the kind of um, backlash that you don't see in chemistry, 
physics, right, 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 biology. Right. Like, I, you know, but like, I, yeah. I think you're right. Like, it's because of this attempt to introduce subjectivity, yeah, yeah, into the scientific enterprise. Which I, I mean, I, I think it's an open question whether you can at all introduce subjectivity into something that's scientific, yeah. because I think it does kind of like. Of course, this makes you think that the scientific thing is always skewed, right? It mm-hmm. always because its starting point is always subjective. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. always, but so it's a. I think it's a tough question, but I, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we're, maybe that's for another, maybe another for time. another day that we'll yeah. talk about that because there, there. Like I think in science, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's an inter- it's a fascinating question, and I think the attempt to marry them together would be. I don't. It just seems hard to me, but maybe. Um. Maybe we'll have some smarter guests than, yeah. than us on here or something. I don't know, but I want to get to kind of moving down to the harder, the the, the tougher critiques, I yeah. guess. Mm-hmm. So the, the, maybe this one isn't tough, but it's like, it's it's uh, among my students. I hear it all the time. Mm-hmm. He's a pervert. Ah, okay. Freud's a pervert, and and then I say, you know what? It's likely that he he only had sex for a very limited part of his life, and that. You know, he stopped, he and his wife stopped having sex after the birth of their final child. And you know what their response is? Uh, even more of a pervert. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Which, so, well, w- wait a minute, wait a minute. That's interesting because what are they saying? Oh, that he sublimated his sexual desire and his, re- that's interesting. I wonder where yeah. someone w- would get such an idea from. Oh, I don't know, psychoanalysis maybe? <laughs> right, like that's, right, yeah. Right. I mean, it's not yeah, a great, yeah. it's not a great application of psychoanalysis, but that's where that, that's Correct. where that, that comes from. Correct. So anyway, Correct. that's, that's Correct. interesting to me. Correct. It's a nice <laughs> psychoanalytic critique of psychoanalysis. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's an interesting one. I think, you know, that's one that I th- that it seems to me anybody dealing with psychoanalysis gets because yeah. mm-hmm. you're saying that the sexual and sex is a fundamental part of subjectivity and, yeah. and or maybe a grounding part of subjectivity and the question of sex. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a, I, I just... Joan Kopchak just emailed me a couple days ago and said, you know, it's, people don't like the idea that sex is a question. Like yeah. they want it to be yeah. an answer. And yeah. I, and she yeah. said, that's the fundamental thing is that sex is a question. Yeah. And I think that's what Freud gets. And I think mm. the fact that he gets that makes him seem like a pervert, like, like that because it's a question you're interested in it and you don't just think it's a thing that you can answer and be done with. Well, you know, like I'll, I'll, I'll let me offer this up as some, some, some evidence do you know how carefully Alenka Zupancic has to talk about her most recent book to not come off as a pervert? Like, like yeah. just think about that. Like she, what is like, sex is the name. What is sex book. is her book. And I, I don't, I have, I don't know, maybe somebody would accuse her of that, but like she has to be so on point when talking about her study, what, what the stakes are, why she's talking about sex in this way so that, the idea that all that she's doing is finding a new way to be a pervert. Like she has to like that. And that like, what a burden for a theorist to have to be couching everything and, and, and narrowly like, like in some ways, like it can, it can, that can be helpful. Right. When you have that sort of like constraint, it can be productive, but like, that's just like, um, like she has that, that recent interview, um, where where was that? I think at the LA Review. I think it's of books. in the in the last issue of Crisis and Critique. Okay, there's that too. There's all, I also saw one the LA Review of Books. She has LA Review of Books. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, yeah and um, she man, she has to like she has to be, and I and I think this is how this is how she writes. She she writes in a very um, uh, 
in a very focused careful, manner. Careful. Saying? Yeah. Careful. Yeah. I think. And I think that part of it is, is because she's trying to cut off at the knees, this exact kind of uh, line right. of attack. And that's, I don't know. It's pretty, it's pretty unfair. Uh, I, I think because it's not even like, it's not, it's not valid because the whole thing seems to be that like, Oh, you're talking about sex. So that makes you a pervert. Right. Like I right. don't, I don't. Right. And, and, and for Freud, it's like what he talks about with sex and sexuality are things that people don't want to talk about. Like infant sexuality. No one wants to talk about that. Right. You know, child sexuality. Right. Nobody wants to talk about that. Right. And, and, right. and, and, and so that's, um, especially when he wrote, I mean, especially, especially when, he when he wrote and now, right. That's where, okay. That's an example of someone not, who is not being a Victorian, right? Like that's, right. um, uh, but I mean, even, even like even Alenka, I don't, I don't like not, not, it's not to say she doesn't shy away from that, but like her, she doesn't rest a lot of her claims on, uh, like analyses of infantile and child sexuality because like, you know, it's pretty clear what that comes with. When you go, I know it's interesting. I mean, yeah, I mean, when so, whenever I talk to people about lack, they seem okay with it. Yeah, but then if I immediately, if I if I sometimes switch into symbolic castration, all of a sudden they're like, wait a minute, why are you talking about that? So I do think that even my students, I bring this. I I have been doing this. I've been doing this slowly over the semester, like building in jokes about castration, like like um, about uh, I told them that um, I tried to get a video to work the other day in a class. And like I said, I told them, I said, like, listen, you all are probably fine watching a professor futz around with technology, but there is nothing that makes it more clear my castration than when I need a video to work and it doesn't play and I can't figure it out. It's absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like, I could have made another joke and they thought it was a lot funnier, but I could just see the look on their faces that that was a lot more uncomfortable. But that's, it's, that's just totally, that's just, that's, that's, it's just true. Like that's just, just. Yeah. Well, I think it's evidence that um, despite this de-repre- uh, you know, post-repressive age that we live in, there's still yeah. like a still a fair dose of just repression at work, right? Like the the amount well, of isn't the idea that it's a moving target, though. Like, I mean, I think that has to right. be, that, that yeah. has to be the idea. Like, students are far more. Um, like students are, are today, and again, I have, I haven't taught I me. Mean, I well, um, you you tell me because uh, uh, you I know you finished your degree in the mid late nineties. So yeah. yeah, okay. So um, now our students are all post nine eleven students, basically. Except, except right. you teach grad students, so you have some a little bit before, um, born born before that, I should say. Um, but like I have had students tell me about like you know they're they're dealing with uh, borderline personality disorder, um, and they're, they're making a film about it. Um, I've I've had students tell me like uh, you know a lot of like come to my office and it's like I'm an analyst basically with some of the things that my students will choose to tell me. And I think that there's a generational thing here where like in an earlier generation you would have absolutely repress that like socially and in, in the, in the symbolic, but, and now you wouldn't. So now I just think that it, it moves 
what is repressed. And it's kind of interesting that even though, even though, like, I mean, in a Foucauldian way, there's all this incitement of discourse and there's all this, like, right. like people are far more willing to talk about mental health in a social way and in, in a way that it doesn't, like, that they're not going to be told that Stigmatized, they're crazy, right? Yeah. right? Like, that, that, right. that someone's right. like, I'm not going to talk to that person anymore because that thing, you're right. going to be like, oh, interesting. Like, let's, well, let's talk about it, to you, like, further, right? Like, that's the thing. But st- it's still castration. Don't talk about it. Don't bring that up. Right, so, I know, I know, so, I know. It's it's fascinating. I mean, I I think this this whole pervert accusation is such a, you know, I mean, I, maybe we can introduce now. So on Friday, I think uh, Current Affairs published a scathing indictment of Slavoj Žižek, and and right. I think that it had all these different things like charlatan, racist. Um, it's clear re- if, reactionary. If, yeah, it's clear that the most offensive thing about the article to the author is the, this charge of uh, char- charlatanism. I and agree. it's like, and just like, just to be really, to be really brief about this, that like, um, uh, St- Steven Pinker, uh, is cited ac- approvingly in this Steven Pinker of, um, the school of thought that, uh, women shouldn't complain so much about rape because like it's better now than it's ever been before. <laughs> uh, so like, and, and I'm not, that's like not, Sure, that's a paraphrase, but it's really not by that much. So, um, yeah. so, and the game is also given away that, like, uh, you know, I've talked about, I've talked about um, Slavoj's comments on, uh, like, uh, on trans people and like trans in theory before, and and like in uh, the second of our three Zizek episodes, uh, this guy doesn't bring that up as a as a as a reason to reject him. So I think he gives the game away a little bit that like uh, what he, what he cares about. Um, and he also doesn't bring up something we're going to get to later. Um, yeah, 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 there are, there are two major, major (laughs) like Zizek crimes, if you will, social crimes. And he doesn't bring up either of them, neither. Don't you think what's fascinating, what's fascinating to me is that that one of his main charges is he's a pervert. Like he talks about sex all the time. Like, what is all this? He counts up the number of times he refers to Hegel for Ryan Lacan, which is, of course, is funny because if that's your overall orientation, it seems likely that you're going to refer to those people. Um, uh, But he also said, and he, he, one of his other categories is sex and sexual, like, so that's part of the indictment. It's like, he's like, wait a minute, He's a philosopher, supposedly. Mm-hmm. This is what he's saying about Slavoj, and yet he's talking about sex. How can that be? And I think a lot of the yeah. the I the, a lot of the animus that Freud provokes is, you know, he's a philosopher. How can he be talking about sex? And I think the response should just be, well, if you're a philosopher or a theorist, how can you not be? Like, how can well, you it, not it, be? Isn't that isn't that doesn't that go back to this this um, repression of the subject thing? Yes, like, yes, yes, yeah. exactly. Right. Yeah. I think that's right. That it comes yeah. back to the anti-science question. And if science necessitates the repression of the subject, then it necessitates the repression of the problem of sex, too. I think and that's if you, a really and if good you point. Want, and if you want philosophy to be more like a science, then you will also repress the subject, right. you know, at, right. at, at, right. as, as, as much as possible. And yeah, and again, like this, you know, I, I don't know, our listeners probably heard of this article. It is just like, um, man... Uh, so the, the the Twitter reaction that I've seen has been been really scathing of the scathing article, which has been kind of heartening. Yeah, um, that is good. Um, and I mean, because this guy does some things like I just like really like a, 
tight 10 seconds on it. It's really funny. He, he basically he basically writes at one point, uh, I didn't understand this 1,000-page book, but here are the six most important quotes <laughs> from it. And it's like, oh, okay, how, how did you get there? Well, you just told me you didn't understand it, but you're going to write. And it's really funny because I'll help this guy out if, he, like, if he's listening and if he's going to write another thing, is that um, if you're going to critique someone and you didn't understand what they wrote, don't be proud of it and think that supports your damning it. Just say, I tried to understand this, and this is what I took to be the most important points, and this is where I see them as being faulty. Like, how easy is that? But right. instead, that would be that would be better, much better. Yeah. But instead, he's proud that he didn't understand it, which is like, um, like that's also like like I mean, you could if, if you have that on your resume, you could basically apply to be part of the Trump administration, like uh, you know. So um, that that's <laughs> that's great. pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> I I mean, but it, he does. I mean, you mentioned it. He does bring up this charlatan that Zizek is a charlatan, and I think that is also one of the main charges against Freud. Of course, it's wrapped up in the he's not a scientist thing. Mm -hmm. Lacan too. It's a Chomsky. Lacan too, for sure. He's a charlatan. What's interesting is the charlatan charge against Lacan and Zizek is slightly different than the charge against Freud, I think, because I don't think anyone doesn't understand Freud. I mean, obviously you could give Freud to a three-year-old. They probably wouldn't understand. But most readers of Freud understand what he's saying. but and, and this was Lacan's point, actually. Lacan wrote in his esoteric, that's the kindest word I can think of it, style, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, because he thought Freud made himself too easily comprehensible and, yeah. and you never had to fight to understand, and so his yeah. point got lost. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I, so I think no one doesn't just, no one, like this guy would never have written a similar, or intentionally, it's like the killer of John Lennon. We're not saying the guy's name because we don't want to give him the yeah, 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 publicity, right. right? Yeah, right, right. Um, right, so. Uh, uh, I actually but, deliberately so I, don't remember it either. I, I, same with me. I, I intentionally <laughs> made sure that I wouldn't remember it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and, and for, after, based on McCartney's ethic of never saying the name of, um, the other guy who we're not <laughs> right, going to mention. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, okay, unfortunately, I do know his name. But anyway, um, so I think that the point is that Freud is thought of as a charlatan because he is too easily understood. Mm-hmm. Lacan mm-hmm. and Zizek because they are not understood. So it's an interesting, rev- like a, a kind of two sides of the same coin almost, right? It's a like two, the, you know what? It's a two side of, of there's no there there, right? With Freud, it's right. too easy. So there's no there right. there. And with right. Zizek and Lacan, it's like this is just obscure. They don't even know what they mean. So there's no right. there there because it's it's got it's just it's total non- nonsense. It's gobbledygook, right? Gobbledy, they, they, yeah. He even puts on the on his article a link to one of these postmodern theory creators where you can just insert some words. I don't even know how it works. I didn't do yeah, it. Yeah, well, that, I mean, but this goes back. So I mean, we're getting a little far afield. I'm sorry about this. I feel like I did this. Uh, but you did it. Yeah, I did definitely did it. Um, yeah. That um, this does go back to <laughs> 1996 and uh, and and to Sokol two publications post theory and the Alan Sokol article, which I may, so there's a, yeah. So if anyone listening and and doesn't know, um, Alan Sokol, who was a, was he a physicist? I think so. He publishes a hoax article in, uh, Duke's, um, uh, is it, was it representations? The top? No, I think it was social it's either social critique or social theory. One of these two. Social something. text. I don't, yeah. So well, so, maybe social text. Something. Yeah. I don't so know, yeah. So a, a Duke published journal that's like the top postmodern uh, uh, journal at the time, um, 
and maybe even still now. I mean, I don't know. Uh, and it was at this, the same time that he published that, he all the day that it was due to come out, he publishes an article elsewhere saying that this article he just published uh, was a hoax. And he got it at the top journal. It's called, It has like a nonsense title, like uh, like trans, traversing the boundaries or transgressing the boundaries toward a... Uh, like it's, it's like toward a new hermeneutics of quantum gravity or something right, like that. It's like, right, it's, it's, right, it's just right. nonsense. And, um, and it's interesting too, that like I, I referenced earlier in this podcast, the, the, oh, the exact same, same thing happened, uh, 20 years later, 2016 with bereavement studies. So it's like the, and, and, um, uh, fake, uh, you know, hoax articles. But anyway, the, the whole point is that like, no, nobody, nobody understands this stuff. Anybody who does is, is, uh, is lying. I got a pub, I got a journal, an article published at the top journal, uh, because there's no rigor here and there's, there's no, there's no there there. And I, I think that, um, this is an attitude that, um, you will also see in like people love to imagine that wine experts don't know anything about wine, you know, right. like, like, right. like there, there is a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, uh, joy, uh, jouissance, let's say in, 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 in people, uh, proving that there is no big other. Um, but they'd never make it as that, as that, as that connection. And it's always like, it's always like, yeah, so nobody knows anything. So I'm going to get the wine that I like because I know, I know what I like or like these, okay, there's no postmodern theory. This is nonsense. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing because this is what the real work is. And you know, so it's always done well, it's all, I think it's usually done in the name of empiricism, right? Exactly. Like it's done yeah, in the yeah, name of some kind of empiricism. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah right. Empiricism and yeah. like, yeah, exactly. Which is interesting because I think now empiricism means like empiricalism. And I don't think that that's what it originally referred right. to. But, uh, but it, yeah. it still has the whole repression of the subject problem, I think. And yeah. that, I mean, look, I, I think, I mean, what's funny is that Zizek would get this charge because he, I think, goes out of his way to write as clearly as he can, uh, unlike Lacan. So I think mm-hmm. that's a, that's an interesting thing. But, but back to Freud, I mean, I feel like Freud, I think you're right to say the ease of, at, with which you can read him makes him seem like a charlatan. But I also mm-hmm. think the, his will, he is willing, and I, this, this is where we get to the crux of the charlatan mm-hmm. problem. Mm-hmm. He is willing to be speculative, right? Yeah, like right. he, like that's what I love. You read Beyond the Pleasure Principle. You're reading someone who's trying to account for his own speculation as yeah. it's going on and like yeah. what that means and how that works. And I think that's a very – I think you always – if you're doing that, you always risk coming across as a charlatan because yeah. you yourself are not propagating ideas that you feel utterly sure about. And yeah. I think that's the, that's the thing. That's what theory is. It's advancing a speculative idea – that could be wrong and yeah. it could all fall apart and and you're still – you're nonetheless invested in it. And so I think that that is this charge of being a charlatan. I think he, you always have to run that risk of being just a charlatan. Otherwise, you're just doing what – I don't know what I would call it, like ordinary science. You're just yeah. – you're just empir- – you're just well, you're taking just, what's already given yeah. and you're dealing with it empirically. You're over-invested in certainty. I think. Right, it, right, right. And, and, right, and like right. that, um, and to, to destabilize certainty is like the, like the greatest 
crime, but also, but it's like, it's really interesting. Like, like, um, th- I do find that one of the more like, um, I, I don't know, like one, of, uh, I, I don't want to use the word interesting, but because I, it's more than that, but it's like, like, it's a little, uh, yeah, whatever. I'm going to nerd out on this. It's a little electrifying. I'll put, I'm going to phrase it that way. Good. Yeah, um, good. to read Freud's footnotes that he added after he thought something different. Like, I think right. that's like, I think that's amazing. And, and I think that, um, in particularly in America, I think that, um, there's a, there's, there's a, there's a value in not just, uh, certainty, but, uh, uh confidence boarding, uh, just bordering on, on arrogance behind, uh, claims that you can point like i mean even the way that current affairs article is written as well right like, right, uh, right, right and, and 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 that's not how like if 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 you're going to come at continental theory because people are proposing things that actually are a little um that are, are a little unwieldy even for them but they have a question that they want to tease out the consequences of that if you're going to come at continental theory for that you'll always find charlatans like, right. You, you know, you right. will always find people who don't know what they're talking about. You will always find people who are unsure. And, and because that's kind of the whole, that's the whole game is. is yeah, that's the whole game. game. It's interesting. Yeah. So our, our response to the charlatan charges, maybe, right? Maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. I think but, that's, but it's just, yeah. you, you know, you put a different emphasis on it. It's like, yeah, like, sure, right. sure. Well, it's also, but this is what it is. It's like, it's like you are putting, and this is why I think it's a, um, why psycho, uh, analytic theory. I mean, it's okay. So what, what is, so, um, Freud, uh, uh, appeals to biology. Um, Lacan appeals to, uh, mathematics, uh, Slavoj appeals to, uh, physics. Okay. And, and these yeah. are examples of different eras, people, um, write, writing theoretically about psychoanalysis that, uh, are, are using, try, uh, attempting to appeal to a science to validate their, um, in another way, validate the claims. I like, yeah, it's interesting. Just, just, just interesting. And I think it's just, I don't, don't, don't think any of the, the, the two who are dead didn't need to do that. And I don't think Slavoj needs to do it either. I think it may like, like that was, that was the most, I actually think that's where that guy's article came from. Cause he said that he teaches physics and what Slavoj writes about physics are wrong. He makes a lot of, basic it drives mistakes. him crazy. It drives right. him crazy. And like, yeah, I probably would to me too, if this guy tried to write about psychoanalysis. So like, right. I mean, it is yeah. true that when you're, and part of this is just no one can be Aristotle today. But when you're writing outside, like in another discipline, just like think of the amount of how how like if you just read a couple books, you're just not going to no. be. There's no way you can intervene in a way that makes any sense. Like even I think this is true. I, I hate to say this, but I think it's true even of Badu in mathematics. Like I think mm. Badu can say a lot of smart things about mathematics and 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 about how it relates to subjectivity and and how it relates to the event but i don't think he can make an intervention in mathematics that is that is at the level at which a mathematician could look at it and say oh that makes a lot of sense to me or that really mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. speaks to what we're trying to do today like right. it, it, he just can't do it and i i mean that's not his a discredit to him but it is just to say that that the fields become so developed on their own that mm-hmm. you can't there's just no way to intervene. And I think, you know, I know Slavoj did a lot of reading in physics to get to the point where he could make, stay those little things. It's not a lot he says, like, right? right? It's just right, little right. things. Yeah. Yeah. But even that, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you just can't, I just don't think you can do it. I think you're right. But I do think 
it's the expression of a basic insecurity mm. within psychoanalysis yeah. Yeah. that, that goes causes back to Freud. that. <laughs> that goes back to Freud, and then yeah. Lacan repeats it. It's interesting that that one of the ways in which Slavoj and Adrian Johnston diverge is that Adrian appeals much more to biology and neuroscience, you know, so falling along with the other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think a lot of people in psychoanalysis look for neuro, I think this is even the worst thing error, look for neuroscience to, to, to prove Freud's discovery. And there, I, again, I think you don't, you're missing the whole point of Mm -hmm. this fundamental divergence about the way psychoanalysis emerges with the repression of subjectivity. So, I, I feel like, but I do think your point is really good that that there is this constant attempt to f- to f- to give it a little help to hold yeah. it up because I, it's in danger. Uh, absolutely, and I think like I, I I suppose I get the neuroscience turn because there are, um, uh, you know, there's the soft and the hard problem of consciousness. Yeah, where where. Um, scientists, people who study the brain are not entirely certain why consciousness emerges the way that it does. And, and like, At why all, sh- right. Why, why right. should it? Right. Like, why doesn't right. And that seems appealing to, like, oh, oh, well, this is what, this is what Freud was responding to as well. And it's just, I think, sure, but that, I think that's about as far as you can go with that. You know, like, like, actual, and because the the point for for Freud is is like I mean, isn't it that that we don't know either? Like even if you literally knew, even if science, even if neuroscience could prove like like this is the this is sort of like the cognitivist film theory thing where it's like yeah. the, this is the image goes through this process in your brain. It goes through here and here and here and and this is this is what what goes on in someone's brain. These are the 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 centers of the brain that light up when you see certain things. This, okay, that's not your conscious experience of it. Like that right. may literally right. be happening, but that is not right. your conscious experience right. of it. And right. that disjunction is where subjectivity is. And that's the, for me, the point of, of, of psychoanalysis. That's in, where in psychoanalysis comes from. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so I've got, so, okay. Yeah. We've dealt with the charlatan. He's a, <laughs> we, we think he may be, but uh, okay. Uh, and you know, actually, maybe this is a good stopping point. We can. Yeah. I think we've we've realized that maybe we're going to talk for a long time. We're going to talk a little longer than we expected. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. So, and what I don't want to do is give short shrift to what I think are the major objections because uh-huh, uh-huh. yes, I think we need to give them a plenty of breath. So yeah, so we'll maybe that. make this a like our Christmas special, which got out of me. Yeah. Right. Uh, I guess when we're talking about Freud or Christmas movies, we just, we, we, we have too much to say. We lose yeah. control. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I guess we'll have to leave the lesson. Leave the in lesson at the end of the second. Yeah. Yeah. We'll in to leave the, so it's a, so it's, this will be kind of a, is this a short session or is this? Uh, uh interesting. Uh, I it think It is kind so. of a short session because it's not as long. People might tune in and say, ah. Oh, I get a short session, it'll be good. So, uh, but so it is kind of like a short session, although there's not a clear, a clear stopping. I mean, there's not a, we didn't, we didn't get the patient to say the perfect thing that stopped the punctuated. Well, you, this. you know, but then I think that we're making the, uh, the listener have the, uh, the revelation on their own. Okay, good. Very good. Very good. All right. <laughs> Over and out, Ryan. Over and out, Todd.